The views and opinions expressed by individuals on the following program do not necessarily reflect those of the network, Guys Guy Radio, and its platforms. It's Guys Guy Radio. Here's your host, Robert Manny. Welcome to Guys Guys Radio. This is your host, Robert Manny, welcoming you to the show where men and women can be at their best and everyone wins. Guys Guys Radio. We're here to inform you, inspire you, empower you, and get you to think and feel and who knows, maybe even act by virtue of the journeys, stories, experiences, and insights of the guests I bring you each and every week to the show, Guys Guys Radio. And today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at p-o-d-g-o dot c-o. And be sure to add our podcast, Guys Guys Radio, in the How Did You Hear About Podgo section of the application. All right, we've got a great show for you today on Guys Guys Radio. Got two guests for you, very interesting subject matters we're going to discuss. The first guest, his name is Martin A. Lee, and he's one of the co-founders of uh, Project CBD, and that's what we're going to talk about, The Essential Guide to CBD. It's a Reader's Digest book, everything you need to know about what it helps, where to buy, how to take it to ease your pain, sleep, stress, and more from the editors of Reader's Digest and Martin A. Lee, and it's going to be a provocative conversation because you know, CBD is on, on the tip of everybody's tongue, and I don't know how many people really understand what CBD is and how it's used. A lot of people think it's about smoking pot, and like, hey, I don't do that anymore, or whatever. And it's really not. It's one of the ingredients. There's THC, there's CBD, and they work separately. They can work together. We're going to get into all of that with Martin, but I think it's a it's a topic that we should all learn a little bit more about because. I believe in 48 out of 50 states, some form of CBD is legal. So it's something that's everywhere and it's going to be more and more mainstream. And if it's about wellness, it's something we should at least open our minds to and say, hey, what is this all about? Is this for me? Our other guest is a gentleman by the name of Charlie Zees. He works with sacred geometry and the pyramids. He actually builds these structures that you can sit inside and they're pyramid-shaped, and he claims there's a lot of wellness benefits to them, and, you know, pyramids have been in our culture, if you will, not the American culture per se, but in our overall human culture for eons, going all the way back to the ancient Egyptian pyramids, and people didn't know, like we say, what were they for? Were they to bring in energy? Did they send out energy? How the heck did they build these things? There's a lot of questions about pyramids and how they work and that shape and also sacred geometry is something that anybody who's on a spiritual journey or path which is basically everybody eventually is going to run into that term sacred geometry and what it means and how it works and I don't really understand it all too well Charlie's going to explain some of it to us my wife's a real whiz in it and 
it's just uh, one of these areas that it's if you're on a spiritual path that you're pursuing, I mean, everybody's on a spiritual path, whether they're pursuing it or not. But if you are pursuing your path, you're going to run into that term sacred geometry and you're going to have to learn some things about it because apparently it is one of the building blocks of how our universe uh, works. So guys, guys, radio, we're here for you. We've got a great show. Let's see what else is happening today. Well, I want to send a shout out to my producer, Chris Marcello. She's always there for me. She's got my back and we do a great job working together. That's fantastic. And also a lot of the music you hear on the show is from a band called Noba, N-O-B-A. And I hope you're enjoying that. And I think the biggest thing to do when we listen to uh, guests like Martin or Charlie and a lot of the guests I have on Guys Guys Radio is just to say, hey, is there something in what these guys are talking about that can work for me? Is there something I should be considering here? Can this fill a need that I may have in part of my life? Because we get so busy just doing the same stuff over and over again. It's like we're on this continual loop and a Xerox copy of the day before. And it's really important to get new information and see what the potentials are and what the prospects are and are some new things we can bring into our lives. Like for instance, I, I didn't start meditating till a couple of years ago and it's made a huge difference. And now I do it every morning. I wake up an hour earlier, I meditate for at least a half hour and it really helps me. And I wouldn't have known about it unless I heard about it and started practicing. And it's the same with uh, anything else. If you just do the things that you do and don't open your mind up to anything else, I hope you're happy in what you're doing because that's what you're going to get. So it's important that we keep an open mind and check new things out. So Guys Guys Radio, time for the interview portion of our show. So let's get it at it right now. It's Guys Guy Radio. Got a terrific subject matter and a terrific guest. Uh, our guest's name is Martin Lee. He's the co-founder and director of Project CBD, and that's what we're going to be talking about, cannabis. He's the author of Smoke Signals, History of Marijuana, and he's one of the most hundred most influential people in the world of cannabis. And there's so much about cannabis that people don't really understand, But and hopefully Martin is going to take us through, kind of give us a 101 and really... Uh, introduce people to some of the miracles that uh, CBD has been claimed to have been doing for people in terms of wellness and health and treating uh, disease. So welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Martin Lee. Well, thanks very much. Pleasure to be with you. Okay. I've neglected to say that uh, Martin's uh, kind of the behind this essential reader's digest guide, the essential guide to CBD, everything you need to know about what it helps, where to buy and how to take it. And I read it over the weekend, and it's a terrific book because I didn't know a lot. I mean, I've used cannabis for fun a long time ago, but I did not realize all the possibilities that it has now. And I'm out here now in Southern California where it's legal and people think nothing about, you know, I thought, oh, everybody's going to be smoking out here and everything. Nothing. I smelled more pot on the streets of New York City than in, than in San Diego. And, you know, they have gummies and it's just a, it's they've really cleaned up the quote unquote industry here. And then there's the other part of it, which is CBD. So let's start at the very beginning, Martin. What is CBD? What is THC? How do they work together? What is a cannabinoid? Well, CBD stands for cannabidiol, cannabidiol and THC, tetrahydrocannabinol. Okay. Those are two compounds that are present in the cannabis plant. 
And both of these compounds are actually approved by the FDA as medicines, as single molecules, as single compounds. But the cannabis plant isn't just one compound or two compounds, it's actually several hundred compounds. And um, all these compounds have been looked at by scientists and found to have, each of them, medicinal properties uh, in and of themselves. But when you put them all together and you combine them, particularly CBD and THC, uh, it forms a kind of a holistic entourage effect. That's how it's referred to in scientific papers. So that the uh, therapeutic impact of the whole plant is greater than any single component in the plant. Now that said, you know, CBD has emerged in recent years as kind of a medical rock star. In and of itself, it is considered to have tremendous therapeutic value, particularly for little children with terrible epileptic conditions. It's been approved by the FDA for use in three different conditions. And these are uh, unfortunately terrible situations where nothing else works for these kids. They're seizing a hundred times a week. Um, in some cases, CBD really does act as almost like a miracle cure that can either eliminate the seizures entirely or reduce them dramatically and improve the quality of life of these little children. Um, that's not always the case, but sometimes, and that's why it has been approved as a pharmaceutical by the FDA. Let's uh, talk about legality. I was amazed to see, I looked at the map in the book, and really there's only two states that don't have some form of cannabis legal, and that uh, those two are uh, Idaho and Nebraska, I believe. But every place else, uh, it's pretty much for medicinal purposes at, the, at a bare minimum, whether it's con how controlled that is or not. And it's pretty amazing, and it looks like that the whole country will, this will be a federal program at some point where cannabis will just be legal for medicinal purposes and probably for recre recreation also. What's your thoughts on that, Martin? Is it coming? I think that's correct. I think that certainly the momentum is there. We are, as a society, as a culture, in the midst of a pro-cannabis shift, as it were. This has been happening for some time. You know, in California, uh, cannabis was legalized for therapeutic use in 1996. Uh, and, and that really set the ball rolling around the country. Uh, but I think when CBD appeared on the scene, which is about 2010, that's when Project CBD, our educational group, was formed, um, that ended up having a, a catalytic impact that it accelerated a, a trend, a tendency that was already active in the culture, and it really sped things up. And, you know, by, uh, I guess it was, I think, 2018, I'd say, CBD emerged as almost like a mega global phenomenon. I, I think it was the most sought after supplement uh, on the uh, World Wide Web uh, in terms of searches and so forth. So it really has hit the big time. But I think some uh, have a tendency to want to separate or segregate CBD from the rest of the plant. And while CBD as an isolated pharmaceutical does have merit, does have therapeutic value, it, the real magic is when it's part of the whole plant. And, and CBD and THC, THC is the part that gets you high. CBD does not get you high. It's not intoxicating. And actually can temper the, the uh, intoxicating effects of, of, of THC, can lessen it, or maybe even neutralize it outright. Um, it's really the two of them working together, those compounds, that, that impart the most medical value. Uh, cannabis has been described actually as a medicinal treasure trove. And you can think of CBD and THC as sort of the crown jewels of that treasure trove. But they're not the only compounds, uh, but they're the ones that have been studied most, gotten the most attention, and that seem to have the most medical value. 
So I guess what you're saying is the CBD on its own on its own can work, but with a little bit of the THC, not so much that you're going to get high as you would get recreationally. But when they work together, it creates a uh, a greater sum. Uh, the sum is greater than the parts. Yeah, it's a, it's a synergy essentially. The, the, okay. These compounds synergize, and you know you can get in California if you actually uh, any adult, anybody over 21 years uh, of age, can walk into a licensed dispensary and can buy. Cannabis to smoke, they can buy gummies to eat, all kinds of things, including what we refer to as CBD rich products, products that have a lot of CBD in it. And this might come in the form of what you just mentioned, where it's mainly CBD with just a tiny bit of, of THC. It might qualify in that regard as actually hemp. Um, or you might have variations of that, of, of certain um, products that have you know, pretty much 50-50 CBD and THC, an equal amount. And, and those can be very effective. And incidentally, a product like that has been approved in over 24 countries around the world. It's called Sativex. It's a tincture. It's taken under the tongue. It has about half CBD, half THC, or about 49% each. You know, there's a little bit extra in there. Um, and it's gone through therapeutic trials, uh, clinical trials, and it's been shown to be very effective for chronic pain. Uh, in some cases when opiates really don't do the trick. I mean, opiates are good for acute pain, but not for chronic pain that you have to take over and over again, the opiate. It's not a great, you know, not a great pathway. You can get addicted and so forth. Okay. Well, this, this CBD THC formula has been shown to be very effective for chronic pain. Interestingly enough, uh, the higher the dose, the less effective it becomes. So it has sort of the opposite effect of the, the idea that well, if it helps a little bit, you take more, you know, and, and it kills more pain. That's not really the w way these cannabinoids work, the, the compounds in the cannabis plant. They, it, it, you, it, it's not that simple. Uh, that, uh, so, you know, it requires a kind of education and understanding to really make the most of these things for therapeutic use. And we are in the midst of a grand experiment as a culture, as a country, as a planet, where we're rediscovering the medicinal value of the cannabis plant yeah. after having been cut off from a while as, as a result of prohibition going back federally to 1937. We are in, in the midst of changing that. And I agree with what you said. It seems we're moving in the direction of federal legalization at some point, maybe in, in the not too distant future. Let's uh, just for context, where did CB, where did cannabis come from? Was it originally from Mexico and does it grow all over the world? You know, at this point, it does grow over the world. But we you know when it started, if you go back in geological time, it, it seems uh, that it appears first around the, the foothills of the Himalayan mountains in uh, Tibet, uh, India, you know, that part of the world. You know, it, the cannabis plant emerged as a distinct botanical species about 30 million years ago. Um, but it has been a plant that has seems to have ingratiated itself with humanity. You know, what, wherever it is... Uh, uh, traveled, you know, on the trade routes, spice trading and so forth. Cannabis was part of that because it was seen as a valuable plant. Um, wherever it has gone, once it left India, it has never been rejected in a place. It, it, it goes to another culture. It might become a point of controversy, uh, but it's not like people decide, well, they tried it. They don't like it. They're going to have nothing to do with it. In a sense, you could say cannabis has conquered the world. It grows everywhere, probably except in maybe in and well, actually, I'm going to say in Greenland it doesn't grow, but you probably have some indoor grows. And in fact, I know you have indoor but, grows. Well, originally, though, it came to the U.S. from Mexico, and then there were some problems where it was 
placed in a uh, kind of category one most dangerous drug area and for a long time, and that, that's kind of kept it down here. Is that is that correct, Martin? Yeah, I mean, it came over first on the slave ships from Africa, actually, um, into South America and into Mexico, uh, because it was considered a very valuable plant in, in different African cultures. They brought seeds of, uh, the slaves brought seeds over. And that's how it came to North America. Um, and it did get tangled into a, a socio-political situation where uh, cannabis or marijuana, as, as it was called later on, became associated with certain minority groups who were perceived during the Great Depression, these uh, Latin, uh, Latinos, Latin Americans, uh, Mexican Americans, who were seen as, uh, incorrectly actually, seen as taking jobs from white people. You know, and it got caught up in a whole, a racist campaign. That's what we refer to as reefer madness, where literally uh, the efforts to make marijuana le- illegal in the United States was brought about by a campaign emphasizing this idea that, well, if white women smoke marijuana, they'd want to have sex with black people. You know, this sort of thing. It was really blatantly racist. Wow. We can kind of laugh at that these days. Unfortunately, it sort of stuck with us. It's a, a stigma that has stuck. And you know, in different time periods, it's acquired different uh, alleged negative characteristics. Uh, you know, early on, marijuana wasn't said to be addictive. It was just said to be violence-inducing. Later on, it was said to be addictive. Uh, and, you know, and they, they keep changing what's bad about it. But frankly, if there was something really, really negative about it in terms of health, I think we would have heard about it by now because there's been so much attention uh, given to cannabis. Uh, and a lot of money has been uh, plowed into researching it to find something that harms. The great irony is during the 1980s, when the Reagan presidency remilitarized, I should say, militarized, they relaunched the war on drugs, really with a vengeance, and placed marijuana as you know enemy number one. They poured money into researching how marijuana uh, hurt would hurt the brain because they assumed, as drug warriors, that just was the case. The great irony. Just the opposite. <laughs> well, the, the, what they ended up doing is funding research that discovered how cannabis works in the brain. That discovered something referred to scientifically as the endocannabinoid system. And we can get into all the science behind it. But the point is, you know, if you take uh, cannabis or THC or CBD, it has effects for some reason. And the reason is it's interacting with receptors, so-called, in the brain. And the discovery of what makes cannabis work turned out to be a huge discovery for medical science. But instead of showing that it harmed the brain, it showed that uh, actually the compounds in cannabis could activate things in the brain, which would actually protect the brain from degeneration, from dementia and things like that. And this is understood to be scientifically the case. This is not controversial in scientific circles anymore, but the word hasn't totally got out in the general public. You know, a lot of folks, I was talking to a couple of guys the other day and I mentioned I was going to do the show with you and they're like, oh, I haven't, I haven't toked in 30 years and it used to make me uncompetitive and too introspective and all this stuff. And so I, I want to assuage all of those things. What are some of the myths? I think you just got into one, but what are some of the myths that people have about cannabis where they're just dead wrong? Well, one of these ideas that it, uh, it makes you lazy, uh, that it makes you uninspired, you know, to want to do things. So, you know, uh, Barack Obama was a pot smoker as a teenager. He became president of the United States. This is a myth, you, you know. The, the, the problem is, Sometimes kids, particularly young males who are don't have a lot going and who you know watch too much television and don't get exercise and they're not very inspired, 
and they sit around and, and, and then they smoke weed all day. That's not very good. Right. But why, you know, is it the weed that's causing the laziness or the laziness that's causing them to smoke the weed? <laughs> it, sometimes it's hard to parse it out. Now, one ongoing myth has been this idea that um, smoking marijuana can cause schizophrenia. And here again is a situation where the, what the latest science is showing is that the causality is actually just in the reverse. There is a, first of all, schizophrenia affects mainly young men in their 20s when you have a full-blown psychotic manifestation like that. It's a very serious illness. But there is a period what's called the prodromal period where uh, a person doesn't show all the symptoms of schizophrenia, but it's starting subtly. And in that period of time, you know, a person carries a lot of stress. They're a little bit disconnected from the, the flow, so to speak. Um, and they're more likely than otherwise to reach for cannabis to calm them down. So yes, uh, pre-schizophrenics do uh, probably smoke more weed than the general population proportionally. But it's not that it's causing schizophrenia lately, uh, later on. It's, it's that they're going through a process. And, you know, we have to parse these things out very carefully and, and look at these things very carefully. I'm not a cheerleader for cannabis. I think it does have its downsides. It can be misused. Fortunately, it doesn't cause the kind of physiological damage that something like chronic alcoholism would. It doesn't you know, rot the, the liver and the kidneys and so forth. That doesn't mean that it has all positive effects. But it, it, it's not fatal. It can't kill you. You can't have an overdose. But what we need to do is learn how to use this properly and, and, and teach younger people how to use it resp responsibly. So they're not sitting around all day and using it as an excuse not to right. go out and get exercise. You okay. know. Let's let's flip the script now. Let's get to the, some of the positives. And you've been masterful in answering those questions. Martin Lee is my special guest, co-founder of the CBD Project. We're talking about cannabis and some of the benefits of cannabis use for specific uh for wellness and for also specific maladies that people have. So let's get into some of the uses. What are some of the uh, problems that people have, issues that people have where cannabis can be helpful? Well, I know it might sound a little outlandish, but there's very few diseases that it can't be of some help. Because the reason is, because cannabis activates this physiological system, the endocannabinoid system. And when that system becomes dysfunctional, that's implicated and, and pretty much all diseases have a right. dysfunction of this system. So if you can give something to support the system, like CBD or cannabis, it can theoretically help a lot of different conditions. Now, in, in our culture, in, Cal, in the state of California, where the medical cannabis renaissance, you might say, started in the United States in earnest, or really it picked up, it, this is really where it happened first. Um, initially, it was people who are undergoing chemotherapy for cancer, who are experiencing a lot of the side effects, the ne negative side effects, the pain. terrible nausea, the pain, the, the neuropathy, and so forth. And they found, lo and behold, smoking a joint, you know, took that nausea away in a flash, and whereas nothing else was helping. And uh, so too with people with AIDS in, in California, in, in going back to the 1980s, 1990s, you know, people with AIDS go through a wasting syndrome. They, they, they lose hunger. They lose the desire to eat. They start losing weight. Uh, and again, it's a very serious uh, condition. Uh, cachexia, it's called medically. And there are other diseases that wasting is, is part of it. Well, you know, everybody knows you smoke a joint, you get hungry. It, it gives you the munchies. So <laughs> if you're going through wasting syndrome, you know, you, you're not going to feel like swallowing a pill or eating a, eating a, a, a gummy. You're not, you're not, that's not the way it's going to work for you. So you right. smoke a little weed and you get, an, you get your appetite. 
How about Alzheimer's and Parkinson's? Well, these are neurological diseases, and um, they're, they're very difficult diseases to deal with. Um, there's, um, you know, a lot of interesting research going on trying to get at the root of what's going on with these diseases. But it's very clear from research that the U.S. government funded and upon which they, they actually claimed the patent on the neuroprotective and antioxidant properties of CBD and THC, these key compounds in cannabis, um, the, the reason they took out the, the, the this, they, they got this patent because they found in animal studies, when they when scientists would create what's called disease models, they would create Alzheimer's in a mouse or Parkinson's in a mouse, and then they would give them THC or CBD, or they you know they have two groups of mice, some of whom got the remedy and some of them didn't. Always the, the the mice that got exposed to the CBD and THC did much better, and it, it either prevented the the uh, development of the disease or or seemed to modify it and, and uh, make it better. And on the basis of this research, the U.S. government now has a patent on this. So on the one hand, the federal government is saying these compounds have medical value. <laughs> on the other hand, they're saying they're classified as Schedule One substances, right, illegal. Right. They're having no medical value and they're dangerous, which is frankly uh, almost like saying the mood is made of green cheese. It's so out of touch with the reality. Everybody knows it. And it genders a kind of disrespect in society for the law. You know, when you see something like cannabis is, is so inappropriately uh, treated under the law, people start thinking, well, all the laws are ridiculous and all the things that the government says should be ignored. And that's very unfortunate. How do people know what to buy? There's so much information out there and there's a lot of bad product, I would assume. How, how can our listeners know if they want to explore this and do, do their research? How, how, did, what would you, how would you guide them? Well, it, it is true what you say that the, the, the products that are available, uh, it's difficult to parse out what's good and what's bad. You know, CBD uh, is not regulated by the FDA. Um, the, according to the FDA, the only legal form of CBD is if you get it via prescription. Now, that's sort of a joke because it's all over the place. You can go, go down to the gas station down the street and buy something. It's not a place I'd recommend getting your CBD products. Um, in states where cannabis is legal, either for medical use or recreation you know, or for adult use, uh, one has the option, if one is 21 or older, of going to a licensed dispensary, a licensed storefront, and buying a product that has had to go through a significant testing. In California, any product sold in a cannabis dispensary has been tested for over 60 different pesticides and solvent residues and mold. You know, there are allowable limits. They're supposed to be very, very minor limits, but if, you know, anything over those limits, you're not allowed to sell it. So at least a, a person can feel somewhat confident that they're getting something that's uh, safe. Um, and also what's on the label of the product, what the label says, how much CBD is in there, how much THC, has to match the actual product. So part of the testing that one would go through in California or another state where cannabis is legal, it's to ensure that there is a reliability. The, the 16 states now, I guess it is, uh, that are uh, have legal cannabis, it's a little bit iffier. Um, you can get CBD products over the internet, um, but you have to do some research. You have to, you know, th think it through because it's it's um, not always easy to know what's going on with the stuff because it is unregulated, and that's really the fault of the federal government. The FDA has responsibility to regulate these things. They should. I, I'm for strong regulation uh, on these products because, unfortunately, 
you know, there's a money grab, and you know, and, and it's it's kind of That's a usually bit of a mess. Which is not to say you, can't, you yeah. can get good quality products, but it, it does take some work. In the in the Reader's Digest guide, the essential guide to, uh, to CBD, we have a, a bunch of material there, sort of giving a a guidance to to the reader. Uh, if they want to explore this, you know, sort of the do's and don'ts, how to get started. I think the the book makes a valuable contribution in that sense. Okay. Just in terms of uh, how to take the product, I mean, you know, we talked about some things uh, that kids might have. Let's say you have a 10-year-old and he's got ADHD. You know, you, you can't give him a joint or something, you know. It's a tincture. It's under under the tongue. What what is the what, What's the way to, uh, and for old people too, like my mom's got Alzheimer's. I'm not going to give her a joint. What's the best way for people like that to consume the product? You know, the cannabinoid products, the CBD products, actually come in a variety of different forms with different delivery systems, different ways to administer it. Um, you can get tinctures that uh, you, you can you use a dropper, or you can drop it under the tongue. That would be subliminal administration. Or you can swallow it. You can eat an edible or, or a gummy. That would be an example. These gummies are very popular. Um, uh, or you can apply it topically to the skin. Uh, sometimes if you have a joint pain, arthritis, or if it's, um, you know, it's itchy skin, something like that, these um, uh, CBD topicals are actually can be quite effective for, for those kinds of conditions. Um, okay. it, it won't affect the brain if you're putting it on the skin, but if you're taking it internally, it will have an effect on the brain. But the CBD's effect is not intoxicating whatsoever. Got it. Uh, THC, which could get you high. So okay. it really depends, you know, what you're con why you're taking it. If, if one is going through uh, acute nausea, uh, acute pain, you probably want to take something that, that acts very quickly, that can address the pain. But if it's nausea, you don't want to swallow something because you're already feeling nauseous, and then you have to wait for an hour until it takes effect. Uh, that's why something like a subliminal drop under the tongue, which doesn't actually go through the digestive system, is, could be good. Or vaping it or inhaling it. Now, you know, smoke isn't the healthiest thing, but if you want a quick effect of something, there's no better way to do it than inhale it because immediately you'll have an effect. Uh, it's okay. just that you have to balance that against other things. Martin Lee has been my guest on Guys Guys Radio. The name of the book is The Essential Guide, CBD, everything you need to know about what it helps, where to buy, and how to take it. Martin, where can people find out more about you and about the book? And about CBD. Projectcbd.org, one word, projectcbd.org. Um, you can go to the Reader's Digest website or any of the places you'd go to get a book, or I'm sure it's going to be in bookstores as well. But, you know, we are still in the era of COVID. Uh, people are more buying things online, understandably. Um, uh, but if you're interested in CBD, we have a lot of material on our website. On Reader's Digest, they have a lot of material now, too. The, the Reader's Digest book is... Uh, based a lot on uh, Project CBD's content, but not entirely. It, it also goes beyond that. And um, uh, so I think both of those sources are, are good places to go. Uh, and hopefully people will, will find it interesting. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for being on Guys Guys Radio. Martin Lee, I guess the message to everybody out there, do your research, but keep an open mind. All I right, think thanks. that's good advice. Bye. Thank you, Martin. It's Guys Guy Radio. Guys Guys Radio, we're in the interview portion of our show once again, and we've got a special guest. He's going to talk about pyramids. Have you ever thought about pyramids? Do you realize, you know, those pyramids in Egypt and there's other ones around the world? And you, have you ever wondered 
why pyramids or what they're all about. We've got a really sharp guy. His name is Charlie Zies. He works with a, something called Stargate Pyramids and the Pyramid Science Foundation. He was in the investment world in uh, worldwide finance, and he just uh, after 2008 decided he was going to make a, a turn in the road in his journey, and he decided to do research on pyramids. And he'll get into that. But basically, he studied Russian pyramids, and he set up what's called the Sacred Geometry of Russian Pyramids. He's a chair of the Pyramid Science Foundation. He's got a book coming out on Russian pyra pyramids later this year. And he also works uh, very much in sacred uh, geometry. I'm not too familiar with it. Maybe you folks out there aren't too familiar with it, but Charlie is, and we're gonna, we're gonna get into that. And we're gonna keep it on a level that hopefully we can all comprehend it together and Charlie can teach us a little bit. But the most important thing is pyramids. Why are pyramids powerful? How can we use them to enhance our lives, et cetera? Welcome to Guys Guys Radio, Charlie Zies. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for having me today. Well, it's my pleasure. So why don't we start right at the beginning quickly with your story. You were in the world of high finance and then you made your turn and you started following uh, pyramid research. What drew you to that and why do you think you, you just kept going? Well, I, I listened to David Wilcock about six years ago. He did a series on Gaia TV called uh, Wisdom Teachings. And he did a 10 part series on these very pyramids that I'm now building and researching myself. So there was a lot of science. That's what got me. I was a science major in college. And so uh, I, I, quite honestly, 10 years ago, if you'd asked me about pyramids, I would have said it was a lot of foo-foo. But, you know, when I saw the science, I got interested. And one thing led to another. I decided to try to build one for myself. And once I did that and saw that uh, the experiments that had actually been done in Russia could be replicated, at least the ones that I was able to do, and, uh, and they worked then I was hooked. So one thing led to another. And um, uh, as I, as you mentioned earlier, uh, once I discovered what the sacred geometry of these pyramids was, I found relationships with the Giza pyramids, lots of things started to, to unfold. And I decided to write a book about it. So it's right. an ever ending journey. That's fantastic. And really fascinating because there is power in pyramids. So when pe people think of pyramids, a lot of times they think of, you know, the typical three-sided triangle with a bottom, but that's not necessarily the case. There's, there's many multi-sided pyramids. There's a, there's a lot of aspects to pyramids. So first of all, let's start with what is a pyramid? Well, I mean, by definition, a pyramid uh, has uh, essentially, the, the common pyramid that we're used to has four sides and a base. And they can come in all sorts of, of different geometries. They can be uh, highly sloped like my uh, the Russian pyramids, or they can be flatter like the Egyptian pyramids. And a lot of that has to do with their specific functionality, uh, but an awful lot to do with sacred geometry. And um, so, uh, you know, the pyramids that I uh, work with, uh, they were uh, studied in Russia pretty extensively, primarily for their health benefits. And I think that's something that's important for your audience to understand. This pyramid, uh, the research done in Russia indicates that it improves our immune function enormously by being around these pyramids. And they did a number of studies on humans, on mice, uh, the reduction in cancer, uh, the reduction in uh, deaths of premature uh, at risk, high at risk babies whose immune functions were, uh, were severely impaired because of their premature nature. All of these had dramatic results. So first and foremost, I build these pyramids for, for the, for the health benefits to the individual. 
Okay. So for a benefit of our listeners who are not on the YouTube portion of our show, Charles is uh, sitting in one of his pyramids. So describe how, first of all, how does a pyramid work to have these positive benefits in your opinion? And then secondly, you know, you're in kind of an open-ended pyramid, which uh, it's like, it looks right. like the uh, framing of a tent almost, but it's shape of, course, right. the shape of a pyramid. And Charles yeah. is sitting in there. And I got a lot of questions about how these work because people are very curious about it. And uh, mutual friends of ours, the Adlers had used it and they sing the praises of it. But I, I've got to think that you really have to know how to use it correctly because when you're working with energy, you have to be careful. It can be super beneficial, but you really have to know what you're doing. So why is it that pyramids are beneficial? And then how do you construct what you have and, and why, why do they work? Sure. Well, simplistically, we've got to start with uh, the, uh, an idea that unfortunately isn't taught in our science curriculum, and that's the concept of the ether. The ether has been in our scientific uh, lexicon up until about 100 years ago, when some experiments were attempted to be replicated in the United States that had been successfully done in Russia, which is really the, the country with the home of the great torsion physicists um, in the, on the planet. But when they were uh, when they were not successfully replicated, and they weren't replicated for a reason because they didn't follow the protocols that were done in Russia. But anyway, the ether, are uh, are we are living in a seething sea of energy. If you cup your hands together, you have more energy in the palms of your hands than it's necessary to boil off the oceans on the entire planet. So, with that said. What the Russian physicist, in uh, a particular one's name was Anatoly Akimov, he, he did experiments that showed that uh, any sort of a form like a cone or a pyramid would have uh, the ability to generate and amplify energy fields by virtue of its geometry. And what he found was that this golden section or phi, this is the sacred geometry part, and that's all we'll say today, but this phi ratio, if you can find that and it's in the geometry, those pyramids are going to be energy producers. So, so it's phi F, uh, P-H-I? P-H-I, not P-I, like the circumference okay. of the circle. This is P-H-I. And the number is like 1.61803399. It goes on and on and on. But it's what it is, it's a scaling constant in nature. And as, as difficult as this concept in a brief time is to wrap around your head, uh, there, there is a theory, or, or we're developing theories that prove that demonstrate that pure thought can become that nature has a, a way of taking that and making concrete reality out of it, and geometry plays a very big role in that. So you're sitting inside this uh, pyramid structure that's open ended on all sides, and it has the the framework. How mm -hmm. do you determine determine the exact shape of it, the height of it, the materials in it? how long to sit inside of it, and then where is, is positioning necessary, where you sit, et cetera, and what materials you use. First, the geometry. I developed this geometry. The Russians have never disclosed it, but I was able to figure it out using this very phi ratio. And I did it by um, uh, theorizing all, uh, all of uh, the, the quantum physicists uh, today are all believe that creation begins in a sphere. So let's start with that. And we know that there has to be some kind of a scaling ratio. So I took a, sta a stack of spheres and used this very phi ratio of 1.618 
And I decided to divide the diameter of the base one by that amount and the next one and the next one going up. And when you put those spheres together in, in a, a stack or a pile and then built a pyramid around it, I came up with this with this geometry. And as it turns out, that the, the angle from the floor up to the base, which is uh, called the slant angle of 76.345 degrees, is exactly the same angle in the Giza pyramid that's at the top of that pyramid. That can't be an accident. So, you know, I know that I'm, I, you know, this is it's valid. And more importantly, I think, uh, Robert, for, for your audiences to know is that this geometry is found in all of the ancient religious traditions. It goes all the way back to the Hindu temples, the Buddhist temples. It was brought from the East to uh, Western or Europe during the Crusades. You find it in the cathedrals and on into our church steeples today. Mm -hmm. Okay, Guys Guys Radio, my special guest is Charles Zies of the Pyramid Science Foundation. We're talking about the power of pyramids. So um, is there different ways that you can use pyramid power? Uh, for instance, I do a meditation from Fritz Smith. It's called Zero Balancing. And basically what you do is you uh, intend yourself to be inside of a pyramid and you sit there and you let everything out and you, you go through a meditation. Mm -hmm. Your, yours are physical pyramids. Is right. there a difference? Uh, what materials do you use, et cetera? Tell us just everything about these pyramids that yeah. you have. Okay. And if, if it's the power, what's the difference between your pyramids and the power of pyramids in general? Okay. Well, it seems as though for, for this this particular pyramid geometry is, is built more to provide energy to things inside of it and around it. Whereas uh, perhaps the Giza pyramids and some of the others are built more to, to either do, uh, make modifications to the earth. But uh, essentially, it's just the structure itself. You don't need walls to make this work. There's a lot of sacred material if your audience is aware of the Law of One material, for example, that the uh, that David Wilcock uh, refers to quite often. It says to use non-base metals in the construction of the pyramid. Otherwise, like copper is going to detract severely from the uh, energetics of the pyramid. So, uh, but I use, I sit inside this every day for half an hour at the beginning of the day in the morning, uh, and I meditate under here. Uh, the geometry of this pyramid, because it is actually the, the, the ratio or the geometry that nature uses for the creative process, uh, it amplifies and magnifies my meditations. And, and I find that I can manifest things a lot more quickly when I ask for them inside the pyramid. And there's a double-edged sword to that. I, you don't want to be under it when you're angry or upset because then it's going to come back and bite you just the other way. Okay, sound. Do you use sound inside the pyramid and does that amplify the benefits of having a session? One of the most important pieces of research that we're doing right now is with sound healing. Uh, we're using solfeggio frequencies and certain variations on those. Uh, I actually make a product called a caduceus coil that will amp, uh, play those uh, and make scalar waves out of them uh, instead of having them in the audio range. It seems to be able to bypass the subconscious blocks to healing that many people have and seems to have a very profound um, impact on, uh, on, on personal health. So, yeah, we, we work a lot with sound healing and uh, we're going to we're actually starting a, um, a survey of all the people who have these pyramids and. We're going to be checking in specifically on sound healing to get a, a, a significant sample size of people's, um, you know, before and after responses. 
So for people who are interested in this, are there places that they can go to experience pyramid meditations? Uh, setting aside a pyramid, are you the only place where they can go to buy one? Uh, how, how widespread is this? Well, uh, of course, I sell them on StargatePyramids.com. Uh, and Robert, I'll give your audience, if anybody is interested in purchasing, a, a coupon code, Manny10%. Okay. And uh, that will get them 10% off of their um, pyramid and or caduceus coil purchase. Uh, we traditionally went to expos around the world. For example, uh, Conscious Life Expo. I was there several years ago, but we haven't in L.A. I haven't we haven't been doing those because of COVID. So uh, the best way to get information about these has been through YouTube channels and, and being on on shows such as yours just to get the word out. But um, you know, the best way to experience this, I guess, is, you know, if you don't have one, is to go and, and listen to some of the testimonials that we have. Uh, our website, excuse me, our YouTube page, which is done through the foundation, has a number of interviews talking about the science behind these, as well as uh, some testimonials. It looks like a tight fit there. Does it matter if you're up front in the pyramid, if you're in the back of the pyramid, off to the sides? What is uh, What's the difference? Well, different different places within the pyramid are going to have different kinds of energy, uh, but uh, in in general, the higher up you are inside the pyramid, the more energetic it's going to be. Uh, the the tip of the pyramid, if for those of you who are familiar with uh, uh, the concept of the torus, the, the the top of the pyramid really is sort of that donut hole space inside the torus where all the all the creative potential exists. We we measure energy fields uh, with certain devices, and the the frequency of unity is at the top of the pyramid. Uh, you, you have more earth energies and so forth at the bottom, but uh, uh, in terms of, of of you know sitting inside the pyramid, uh, it's it's certainly the, the the most effective place to be. Uh, you might want to stand up if you if you care to, and you might get a little bit more energy. But I think just being inside the pyramid is, itself, it raises when we douse and use other techniques. Uh, it it it's it's just a huge quantum jump, okay. uh, irrespective of whether you're standing or sitting. Obviously, you've done a lot of work to calibrate these precisely. What if somebody sleeps in a teepee? Do they get a similar effect, but in you know not quite as powerful? But is that healthy? Right. Is it anytime you're inside of that pyramid? shape is that something that's yep. beneficial well one of the, one of the interesting things actually that i figured out when i started to write the book i looked at teepees and not the contemporary teepees but the original teepees of the native americans are are very very close to the giza geometry pyramids now my partner lisa richards who makes capstones and accessories she calls she says the difference is the giza pyramids like dial-up internet and and the russian pyramids like high-speed internet so the energy field is much more dramatic uh, inside the Russian pyramid, but it's more subtle. And it may be that living inside the teepee, that's a preferable um, geometry to use because it's a bit more subtle. Now, if somebody created their own pyramid just using materials, you have some kind of like adjustable, looks like piping type of material. Yeah. Um, would they get the same benefit or does it have to be calibrated very precisely? Well, I, I actually on the Pyramid Science Foundation website, I have an I I I have all of my research out in the public domain. Uh, my geometry. I teach people how to make these if they want to make them themselves. 
from materials available at Home Depot, you can make one for $30. It's not gonna be pretty like this one because this is furniture grade pipe, but you can build one and you'll get the same energetics as you're gonna get from this pyramid. Uh, and so I've done that. I, I, I put out all of my information to the public because I want this information. I'm not at this. I worked on Wall Street and I did that to make money. I'm doing this uh, to make a living, but, but I'm really doing it to get the word out and the benefits out to the public. Well, fantastic. It's, it's fascinating. And I'm sure we can go deeper and deeper. Maybe we'll do it at another time. Uh, until then, I want to read up some more and I hope everybody out there wants to check out Charles and his work. So tell everybody where they can find out more about you, Charles, and your Pyramid Science Foundation and okay. pyramids. Sure. Go to stargatepyramids.com. That's uh, the website where I uh, sell uh, pyramids, caduceus coils, and Lisa Richards has uh, uh, some other accessories such as capstones for the pyramids. In terms of the research, it's the Russian pyramid research that was done in Russia is also extensively summarized on that website. Great. For how-to videos and uh, interviews and the like, go to YouTube and find the Pyramid Science Foundation uh, homepage. And there's uh, about 200 interviews or, or videos that I've done in various aspects of pyramid science. Fantastic. And we'll look forward to the book at the end of the year. Let me know when you have that ready and we'll come, we'll get you back on the show again. Charles Z's on Guys Guys Radio. Great job. Thank you, Robert. Thank you for having me. It's Guys Guy Radio. Okay, fascinating conversations with my two guests on today's Guys Guys Radio. And, you know, we really learned a lot, at least I did. Martin A. Lee, we talked about the Reader's Digest book, The Essential Guide to CBD, everything you need to know about what it helps, where to buy, how to take it, ease your pain, sleep, stress, and more. And as we discussed, there's some form of CBD legal, and I believe, in 48 states now. So it's pretty much a mainstream uh, product. And you can purchase it uh, in so many different places, but you, you got to know what you're doing. And uh, I would suggest a good place to start is this book and then doing some research online. But the Reader's Digest book, it's very straightforward, easy to digest. And uh, I learned a lot from it and a lot from our conversation with Martin. And that is just to be open to what CBD is. You know, I talked to some friends, hey, you ever take CBD? And like, no, I don't talk anymore. You know, I don't want to get high. Like, no, 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 it's not really, it's not about that. And a lot of people in my generation, they think, when they hear cannabis, they think, "Ooh, you're getting you're getting stoned from that." Now, of course, in many states, and it's going to be more and more and more, where uh, you know the THC version of cannabis is is legal. But for right now, CBD and uh, without the THC, although they say with the a little bit of THC in there actually makes it more potent, is something that can uh, address a lot of a lot of issues. But you have to know how to take it. You have to take it under the right supervision, and you have to do your research. So worth checking out, worth investigating. Charlie Z's talked to us about Stargate pyramid power and, you know, pyramids going back to the ancient pyramids in Egypt. Why were they shaped that way? Where are they pointing? Were they bringing energy in? Were they sending energy out? And uh, there is a power to the sacred geometry and to that shape, the pyramid, the pyramid shape. And Charlie actually builds these structures that you sit inside and you can, uh, Kind of, it's like meditating and you get some energy from it and he claims that it really works. So worth doing some research on that. 
on the power of pyramids. I actually do a meditation called Zero Balancing by Fritz Smith. And uh, I've had this tape for ages. And yes, it's a tape. It's actually, it's a cassette tape that I couldn't transfer to anything else. I had something on it where you couldn't copy it. So I kept an old cassette player because I like to listen to this. These two cassette tapes that have the zero balancing and some other work on there in terms of meditation. But the zero balancing, it's a, you, you put yourself, you visualize yourself inside a pyramid and do your work there. I've been doing it for years and it really, uh, I've gotten a lot out of it. So something to chew on, something to consider, pyramids. Can they help you? Can they aid your wellness? You'll have to make that determination on your own, but it's worth doing some research. And you know, the thing is, there's so many of these natural things out there that are geared to helping us maintain our health or address some type of uh, pain and discomfort. And we have to do our research, but we have to keep open minds on things because we have to be our own physicians in a lot of ways. Like I'm not saying don't go to your doctor, of course, by any means. I'm saying you have to maintain your wellness on your own. Your doctor's not going to be able to sit there and say, okay, eat this and not that. They might tell you that, but you're going to have to make those decisions on your own each and every day. And the more good decisions you make, the better opportunity you have of placing yourself in an area where you can be at your optimal health. So we are in charge. We have to take care of ourselves. The Guys Guys Radio, we're here every Wednesday evening at 8 p.m. Pacific time on KCAA Radio here in Southern California, 8 p.m. Pacific time, 102.3, 106.5 FM, 10.50 a.m. The podcast and my YouTube channel drop worldwide every Thursday. You can listen to or watch the show pretty much anywhere. My website is robertmanny, M-A-N-N-I.com. We've got over 300 plus blog posts there. I just I just finished up part two of my post about healthy habits I came across and developed or ratcheted up during the shutdown. And if you want to read about those, check them out at robertmanny.com. You can also download three free chapters of my novel, which is the source material for all things Guy's Guy. It's called The Guy's Guy's Guide to Love. And we're here for you. So I'll see you next Wednesday evening or Thursday, depending on when you consume the show. Either it's on KCAA, you can download, you can listen live, you can stream, you can listen to the podcast, you can watch it on YouTube, your choice. I'll be here for you each and every week. We're up to 462 shows, and we've got a lot more coming at you. So, Guys Guys Radio, see you next week. And as I always like to say, guys, guys, finish first. (laughs) 